Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt joins me, and before we dive into a race review, want to make sure you check out all the other podcasts on the network we are now a part of, Evergreen Podcasts. Go to evergreenpodcasts.com and check them out. There's some really cool non-sports-related shows on there to check out. But Matt, we're going to start something new on the F1 side here, and I didn't tell you this. We're gonna do a trivia oh, trivia God. question to you. I love that at the start and every week? every week. Every week I remember. So which went might be like once a month, but this one should be pretty easy. So obviously Botas ended his winless streak with the win this weekend. He has one other winless season with Mercedes. What year was it? I kind of feel like it has to be 2017. 2018. Yeah, he won one in his first year. Apparently so. Yeah. Yeah, that's the trivia question. Obviously, Botas won the race, and Verstappen second, Perez third. Where do you, where do you want to start? So, how about this? Was Turkey, despite being kind of rainy, the most boring wet weather race you've ever seen? Ooh, uh, Sunday was rough. I went to bed at three thirty, woke up at seven, stayed awake for one lap, would fall asleep for the next lap, which apparently was a mix of my sleep and the race itself for about the first 18 laps and then i just text you like hey i cannot cover the race like i cannot stay awake for this so i watched it later but it was a fine i mean it was a lot better last year i know last year had a lot different kind of circumstances with the weather and drying and what tire to use things like that should we stay out and go to the end on used inters and we kind of had the same thing this year but i just couldn't put my finger on why this year wasn't as fun uh it was kind of a bummer um the penalty at the beginning with Gasly was complete bullshit, yeah. and there was a couple other things in the race that were kind of frustrating. But you know, Mick not being able to go to try for Q three was very frustrating, and then having his race ruined immediately was also very frustrating. No, he 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 was in Q two, kind of a, yeah. He he ran in Q two. I said Mick ran in Q two. Yeah, I know, but he had his Q three potential lap yeah, yeah, yeah. wrecked by yellow. So, and that was, I had him as my top 10 dark horse. I was getting a little giddy and then, <laughs> yeah. And then everything went south from there. Yeah. I think obviously big championship day for Verstappen because he put plus eight on Lewis because Lewis's penalty. But yeah, I don't know. Just didn't, I'm, yeah. Perez had a good job of holding up Hamilton. I hope Botas was watching that. That's how you're supposed to be. That's what you're supposed to do when you're the second drivers. Do those kinds of things instead of just letting Hamilton drive right past you <laughs> yeah i think that's uh that's a really good point there but yeah it that there was just really there was there was some good defending moments obviously you know sonoda on hamilton perez on hamilton that were that were entertaining i was hoping vettel on slicks would be more entertaining than it was and that's not no fault to sebastian for trying it just obviously was the was the incorrect decision there but you know not not much you can do about that but the penalties or the inconsistency in the FIA is, again, incredibly frustrating. Gasly gets a penalty in a situation where he's kind of three wide and what was that, turn one, turn two, turn one, I guess. Makes contact with Alonzo. Alonzo spins off, gets a five-second penalty. Okay. Well, later that same lap, Alonzo hits Mick Schumacher. Mick spins. Mick recovers to finish. Well, doesn't recover finishes 19th two laps down and really never never was on pace so 
I don't understand what the difference between what Alonzo did and what Gasly did because neither were egregious mistakes, but one got a penalty and one didn't. Even even Alonzo came out and said, I don't know why Pierre got a penalty. So it just makes no sense. I think that's one of the most we can look back on. As fun as this F1 season has been, the inconsistency in the FIA distorting decisions is mind-bogglingly annoying. Yeah, I don't like it. I think it's pretty pretty dumb. I think some of the decisions have been poor. Just hoping that that is something that's analyzed in the offseason for changes because pretty dumb. But then on the other hand, did we know – I didn't see Mazepin getting any sort of no, feedback no. for him cutting off Hamilton, did he? Nope. Not even, not even a, a talking to or anything, which is, again, mind-boggling. How much? How much is Dimitri paying on the side every weekend to, to help out? See, there you go, your tinfoil. <laughs> I guess the only other note I had, it's probably gonna be a pretty short episode today. We don't really have a lot to talk about. The only other note I have is, what did you make of the special Red Bull livery? Loved it. Wasn't it? It still ranks behind the Gulf McLaren livery for me, but it was very well done. I wish. I think Cody Bray was saying this. I don't know if it was last night during our, our league race or, or over the weekend that they should have done the, the white rims too, kind of like Alpha Towery, because that would have been real slick. But nonetheless, it was, re- it was really well done. Yeah, I think we talked about it too. I think commercially switching up liveries every now and then is very good for your brand recognition and whatnot. So I loved it too. I was kind of bummer they didn't get to do this in Japan, which was the original thought, but uh, still really awesome to pay tribute to Honda like that before they go. No retirements, just a couple contacts. Signs had a good drive. He's kind of the, Signs and Ricardo started next to each other, but it seems like that Ferrari power plays uh, big dividends so far in the results. What do you think about the decision for Lewis to pit versus not pit? Where do you fall? You fall on Lewis's side, or do you fall on Mercedes' side? Yeah, I was just about to ask that. Um, and same with Charles and what they did to you know if it if it's me. And I'm the driver. I'm asking to stay out too. I I'll have to look at the fine print of the data because what Mercedes was saying was that you were going to get passed anyways, and I'm not super sure about that. Obviously, they have some software or something they're using to try and predict that, and there are variables you can't account for sometimes that just don't come true. If if I was me, I would have tried to do everything I can to stay out, but you know. Hamilton trusted his team a week or two ago in Sochi and it got him the win. So at a certain point you kind of have to rely on your team to make those calls and go with it. But if it were me, I don't know what he, what he put on like lap 50. I, I would, I mean, I would have just tried to stay out. See, I guess, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. knowing how Ocon's tire looked at the end there and Lewis being in the championship battle, he's only down by six points, which is, really just one position on track if if they're you know fighting on the podium first place is 25 second place is what 18 so right there that's that's a seven point difference so it's easy to make up and and get back on top so I have no problem with what Mercedes did I think playing it safe and and making sure you you maximize points in the end in case of a tire blowout is is the better call to make at this point in the season. If it's early in the year, yeah, I can see you gambling a little bit more. But at this point, I don't think it's necessarily a gamble you need to take. But 
at the same time, I don't think Mercedes necessarily armed Lewis with as much information in the cockpit as they probably could have. So he understood what was going on. It was kind of like half-hearted, like just, just come in and shut up. Lewis is kind of what I felt like they were saying when I was watching, but yeah, I mean, I don't think either side is technically wrong. It's just how you interpret it. You sound like a politician. Yeah. Well, that's, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like that at all. Well, should we go <laughs> go through predictions? You just like gave both sides and split the middle. I like it. Yeah. Very political of you. I still have some Sochi predictions in here. Why do I do that? Uh, who do we have doing good? I had signs. I needed to make sure I pay attention to who's got grid penalties going into the <laughs> That's weekend. That's two weeks in a row. You uh, but P8 after starting, yeah, P8 after starting P19, that was a very good effort if you ask me. Uh, you had Gasly, P6. And can we comment? Did he serve a five second in the pits on a yes. stop? Do we yes, know? He did. did that get tacked on? No, it was during. Okay, the so hypothetically, could have finished P five had that not been a thing. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> and then French had Alonso. Nope. Uh, P sixteen. We'll give him a pass on that. No. Nope. No. Nope, uh, no. Bad. Pass. I had G of Nancy. Why? Because I said so. It's not how this works. For bad, I had G of Nancy P eleven. You had Hamilton P. Five, we'll give it to you, I guess. I mean, yes, he had a grid penalty, but I still think that should have been a little higher up for him. And then Frenchie had Stroll, P9. So that was definitely... I mean, I guess even Giovinazzi 11 is not terrible for yeah. him. Stroll, P9 is not terrible for him. So we kind of all... It was all right. Below yeah. average there. Dark Horse Top 10, I had Schumacher, P19. Could have been different, but who knows. You had Vettel. What did you think of the uh, tire gamble? I I wouldn't have gambled because it I mean clearly within one corner you could tell it wasn't working and nobody else was even really thinking about putting on slicks at that point I was flipping through the driver radio on on F1 TV and it really wasn't a conversation on the six or seven cars I was flipping through so I appreciate the effort you know at, at that point he was what 14th or 15th you, you don't you don't have much to lose by gambling. So, you know, 15th or 14th versus finishing 18th is nothing. So, it's good effort, but not the right call. And then I had, or I'm sorry, Frenchie had Russell, who finished 16, 15th. Not great there on our parts, again. Um, before I pull up the next thing here, did you see the comments today that Vettel made that basically the new hybrid engines aren't going far enough to address the climate crisis and that if F1 is left in the dirt, it is, quote, rightfully so left behind? I did, yes. Did you what, Did you make have anything to say about that? So I feel like I need to understand like the impact of what these engines do to a climate, maybe on like a basic level to like really have an opinion i certainly appreciate vettel's outspokenness on climate change issues because things do need to change overall in the world but i i don't i don't really know what to make of it because i don't i think he might be overreacting a little bit like f1's not going to disappear off the planet if these engines aren't aren't enough or aren't enough of a step in the right direction but i also don't understand how an F1 engine affects the climate as much as maybe a climate scientist would. So I'm not going to pretend to sit here and make an opinion on that one. Yes, I'm in the same area where I think that 
addressing the climate situation in the world is very important and something worth investing in, especially when you're a sport like Formula One that has high emissions of carbons, not only from the cars themselves, but you know, getting all of the equipment from point A to point B 23 times a year, et cetera, et cetera, can have an impact on the environment that I'm assuming there's data to support that it's more on the negative side of, of impacting the environment. It's kind of weird, you know, because I'll go ahead and say that this one time that you and I went through a school system that, you know, kind of when we were young was, you know, we got kind of the first wave of being educated on environmental issues. You know, it's kind of a, a millennial thing. I don't know too much prior to that, but, you know, like when Al Gore was starting to get going, I think that started the we should be teaching this to students kind of thing. So we've been hearing stuff for so many years now about how the world's going to be underwater in 2010 and things like that. So with Vettel, like I agree, it is something that we should address. I just don't think that not putting an emphasis on it means that F1 is going to disappear forever. Like you said, I think that's kind of uh, a lot, a catchy statement to make. Yeah. It's like a statement that's going to raise awareness and get people talking about it, which could be a good thing. But it also might turn people off because it's like, that's not how that works, in my opinion. You know, obviously, if we like run out of oil tomorrow, then yes, we're going to have an issue on our hand. But we're quite a ways away from that happening. So anyways, I saw that. It caught my eye. I don't know. I don't really tweet about it or anything, but caught my eye. We might as well keep the politics train going here with Alan Vandermeer. Not vaccinated. Has openly said he's not vaccinated. And he therefore cannot go to Qatar or Saudi Arabia, which require proof of vaccination. And then for reasons that I don't understand, the paddock at Abu Dhabi. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with the Pro Tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Hey there, my name is Michael Laminato and this is Pit Pass F1, a brand new podcast that'll take you closer to the action of the world's most prestigious motorsport. From Monaco to Miami and Australia to Azerbaijan, Pit Pass F1 is on the ground and has you covered. Esteemed F1 journalists Julianne Serasoli and Chris Medland will take you inside the sport every round. They'll keep you up to date with the latest news breaking in Formula One and the most influential views shaping the world of Grand Prix racing. 
Every Friday, we'll be bringing you a track guide and race preview. And Chris and Drew will be in your feed every morning from Saturday through to Monday to keep you up to date on all the day's action on and off the track. So if you want to be in the know on the latest in Formula One, subscribe wherever you get your favourite podcasts and visit us at evergreenpodcasts.com. Pit Pass F1, a brand new show for Evergreen Podcasts. requires proof of vaccination. I don't know if every paddock does, but for some reason, Abu Dhabi will. He is currently fighting his second round of the COVID-19 infection. He had one back in April or maybe it was April last year. So basically he can't drive the medical car at those three races or for the next two weeks or whatever until he becomes covid 19 free again what do you what do you make of all that Hmm. well i think there's really one clear answer here and i might upset some people by saying this but if your job if you have to go somewhere for your job that requires the vaccination and you don't have the vaccination you should probably just get the vaccination i'm just i'm i'm just gonna leave it at that i'm not gonna go crazy like some people online i'm just gonna say it might help your job, which kind of helps you get paid, which is kind of important to, to life. So you have a house and things like that. So, or get a new job. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And I guess the only thing I'll say is I think some of the hate being directed at him or the forcing of beliefs on him in that what he is doing doesn't conform to what you might do is, is definitely causing some interesting takes on Twitter. So I mean, do I think of less of Allen because of this? No, but I think it's a risky decision to go forward with what he's doing as far as career-wise. Yeah. So I would just say that even if your opinion differs than his, we we don't need to stoop to don't be like the internet ad hominem attacks. Yeah. It's it's really hard. I don't people have this idea that just because they have uh, the ability to tweet their opinion at someone that they should at every point in the day. Yeah, it's a Gen X thing. And that can lead to a lot of negativity. Actually, it's Is an old it? thing too. So, you know, there's really it's everybody. I was just trying to I was trying to find a way to make fun of you and then I realized like the internet just sucks. The internet is just terrible. Well, on that note. No way around it. So, yeah. I think that's I think I think that's it. Oh, no, we have to do driver of the day. Well, we got I got two more. I got well, I got three more things. Okay. First off, <laughs> damn, we're on a roll here right now. Uh Danica Patrick being a sky presenter for the Coda race next week couldn't couldn't care less because i hardly ever watch f1 pre-race stuff anyway and i it's probably not going to change no matter what time the race is on so for those who have their panties in a bunch over that just wait until the race starts and turn the race on did you have any impressions of her when she did the indycar stuff pre-race and things like that didn't really mind her coverage didn't love it didn't hate it so if i were forced to watch it would i watch it yes i I just, yeah, I don't think it's as big of a deal as, again, the internet is making it out to be. Good for her. Our, our tweets were pretty funny. Oh, the though. tweets were awesome. If you haven't checked our Twitter account, yeah, if you haven't checked our Twitter account out at Pit Lane Parlay, we've gotten a lot of new followers recently, and we appreciate that. Uh, the latest on Colton Herta to Formula One and Andretti Autosport to Formula One is Andretti Autosport and Michael Andretti are currently in the process of purchasing 80% of the wing that 
owns the Alfa Romeo group, which is again, Sauber. And so that is Islero Investments. So 80% of that would roughly cost about $404 million. And according to Racer Mag, they do now have the bag secured. So they have all of the money in place to go forward with it. Apparently, Michael Andretti will be at Coda to discuss further with the powers that be to get this process going for 2023. Uh, so it won't be next year as far as what we know. Um, and indications are that Colton Hurdle will race an IndyCar in 2022, but with the ever-changing landscape, we can't promise anything. He is under contract with the team through 2023. And then there's the super license points things and things like that. So there is a lot of moving parts here to go on. Still could fall through, even though all the signs are pointing that this is going to happen. Shout out to Jake Query for throwing some love at us on Twitter. That was very nice of him. We did tweet about this news in September once we got a definitive link with where they were going. We had been hearing the same thing that others had been, that it could be Haas Williams or Alpha. And then once we got the signal for sure that it was going to be Alpha, we went ahead with permission from our source to tweet that out. So all good news there, right? Yeah, I mean, things are looking promising. It's obviously the with the super license and, and everything, it's, there's you never know how things are going to work out. And, and like you said, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. So I don't really have too much to add other than thanks to all the love and support once we started tweeting about it again this weekend. Yes, very kind. And then last but definitely not least, I'm going to need you to put on your sympathy face for a second. Doesn't sound like China's going to be on the schedule next year. Oh, no. Oh, I'm so sad. No. What a shame. Yeah. Uh, so the French Grand Prix is now back in the frame after being kind of left out. It apparently is moving to a date in July. Uh, Imola is now, quote-unquote, taking China's spot. Uh, on a deal to 2025 and the board of sophistication or whatever the f*** they call it in Formula One is voting to ratify this new schedule that is, I think, October 16th. So just in a couple of days here, they have to officially sign off on the schedule for next year. So we should have news next week, hopefully about the schedule, but obviously we will go ahead with it once F1. F1's pretty good about releasing that stuff in a timely manner once it's all official. Yeah. So. Uh, once they share, we will share with you guys. Yeah, should be should be interesting. Doesn't sound like Turkey will be back next year. If I'm kind of reading between the lines on everything, that's kind of the one I haven't heard talked about at all. But yeah, we'll we'll share it out. There's obviously no race this weekend, so they should have plenty of time to discuss things and get it done before the 16th, which is Saturday. Saturday, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, I don't know. Friday? Who knows? Who cares? I think that's the day I saw. I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, whatever. Doesn't matter. Driver of the day, and then we'll end it from from last weekend. Oh gosh, yeah. I'll just highlight one. As far as both the driver disappointed, nobody really disappointed me. Driver of the day, I'll give it to Carlos Sainz. I thought his drive through the field was incredible, and kind of a, like a double shout out to Ferrari because whatever advancements they've been making uh, clearly seem to be working. I will give it to Charles Leclerc led a bunch of laps, had really good pace all day, so we'll take the Ferrari there. Disappointment. If I'm going to take somebody, I'm going to take Fred for being a bowling ball and a Mick Schumacher on, on lap one there, but there wasn't a huge disappointment either because, like you said, 
there were there really wasn't too much that happened but yeah well we'll wrap it up there obviously no race this weekend coda next weekend and i don't think there's like any interesting racing this weekend so find something on netflix watch the schumacher documentary if you haven't already and ladies and gentlemen have a lovely weekend of racing running should be simple just put on your shoes and go and yet when you try to learn about how to get better at it especially as you age you're confronted with conflicting advice complicated workouts and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you on the planted runner i'll share exactly how to run faster longer and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you.